On a high plateau decorating the sacred origin island, where centuries ago a great temple once stood, there is now a ruined garden. You may remember the conqueror's coin, the gold-colored flower that stirred the heart of the conqueror, according to the legends. The flower that now grows on the same conqueror's grave, in the ruins of his hometown, which was a humble fishing village, back when he was a humble fisherman. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I am your host, your king, your indomitable conqueror. It is me, Cat. Hi. Hello. Hello. I'm too powerful. I can't be stopped. Power is maximum. Power is maximum. Here in vain to try to stop me, it's Nick. Eh, I'm probably not going to try that hard. I know it's a losing proposition. <laughs> it's a fool's errand. Speaking of fools, Kirsten is here. Hey, <laughs> I was hoping that would happen the second you mentioned fool's errand. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the one that does those. <laughs> Kirsten has a list of fool's errands to do every day. <laughs> <laughs> and our responsible adult Kathleen is with us. I guess we're all playing to type today. That's today, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a rampaging go-maniac and no one's going to stop me. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. <laughs> I hate when people stop me. <laughs> <laughs> Previously on Sword of Symphonies, the party made their way through the Conqueror's Valley, an archipelago of steep cliffs just to the south of Hushwave City. In the Conqueror's Valley, they found that the ocean was covered in a thick layer of the region's bone-white coral, and that the coral spirit had been stirred to a rampage by something. Great spikes of coral launched out of the ocean, trying to stop the Westbreaker's progress. But somehow, largely Tissa, managed to communicate with the coral spirit to let it know that they were normal people who meant no harm and that it had no need to drive them away. And the coral spirit relinquished its hold on the Valley of the Conqueror, leaving the way open for Origin Island, the place where the party was headed to visit a certain tree with white star-shaped petals. And I think we see the Westbreaker pulling ashore at an island it has seen before. It didn't have Cobb, Tissa, and Penelope at the helm at the time. No, it was helmed by Clara Gaius Ascendant in her attempts to prove its supremacy over Cobb's preferred method of travel, more traditional ships. It did win that leg of the race, but Clara got distracted. That's neither here nor there. The sun is rising. It has just risen. It is still touching the horizon hovering there like a big, eggy, sunny yellow blob, casting a radiant reflection on the ripples of the tropical ocean and long shadows everywhere else. The air is calm and still and crisp. There are still some stars visible. Oh, what perfect timing. We can probably get everything taken care of and be back on the open ocean before sundown. 
Hmm. Hopefully. Don't, <laughs> don't jinx it. Don't jinx it, indeed. Well, I guess even if we don't, this isn't a bad place to spend a night. It's not. Most of Origin Island, if you'll remember from Arc 2, and if you weren't here for Arc 2, that's fine. I'll do what I can to catch you up. It is dense jungle in the gaps between majestic black plateaus. The sun reflects from the great island walls because they are seamed through with glittering crystal. It is silent. It is strangely silent. And in the bay where the Westbreaker shelters right now, there is the ruins of a little village. Once built out of stone, right next to the ocean, just snuggled in on the beach. And from here, you can see the trail leading up the side of the plateau, back and forth in a series of steep switchbacks. Well, we've already done this once before, so... You know, that's that's looking up for us. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't remember the little village, though. We must have come to a different part of the island. Uh, yeah, I guess we were... We were kind of, like, focused on up, I suppose. True, we were in a hurry. Tissa rolls her shoulders and, like, looks off at the jungle and casts her gaze around the Westbreaker. Is anyone else coming with us? Mm-hmm. And yeah, Fulquin has her pack. She adjusts her pack on her back and... Right. Ready for a hike. We can... We can do this. It looks pleasant enough. Y- yeah, it, it's a nice day. Rada just climbs clumsily onto Jem's back, takes off from the Westbreaker and lands on the beach. And eventually Daybreak saunters up and before you know it, they have also taken the form of a cloud elk and have let Fulquin clamber onto their back. That's cheating. It's not a hike. (laughs) Daybreak makes a weird laughing noise. Well, just... Just wait up for the two of us who are stuck here on the ground. Does Daybreak still have dragon teeth in yeah. cloud elk form? Yeah. Okay. That's that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yep. Are you going to comment on it? Because they're going to make it worse if you comment on it. No, 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 no. I mean, Penelope knows how Daybreak rolls, but just, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Daybreak ferries Fulquin over to the beach. And she and Rada and Daybreak sit in conversation and wait for the rest of you to make it over to the island. You can take the rowboat. Mm-hmm. Or you can pull up in a lagoon and see if the gangplank will take you there. What is the coast like? How close can we get? Mostly beach, but the village is like half on the beach, half on a little cliff. Okay. Might be easier to rowboat. Mm, I don't like those cliffs. The crystals could bang up the boat pretty badly. I think we can rowboat. It's been a little while since I've gotten in the rowboat anyways. Mm. I could go for some back exercise. Does anyone else want to come to the beach? I think Gideon gives a salute, but offers to stay back and keep an eye on things back on the Westbreaker. Because her voice is similar to Fulquin's and I would drive myself nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for purely in-character reasons, don't worry about it. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we'll we'll be back. 
Tessa, you remember Origin Island largely by feel. Mm-hmm. If I know anything about a Tissa, and I think by now I know a thing or two about a Tissa. Couple things. Couple things. You remember the feeling of Origin Island. The feeling of something waiting for you here. The feeling of something hidden. And an overwhelming sensation of peace and quiet. An almost eerie one. And if I remember correctly, you did your darndest to try to get Cobb to pay attention to that. <laughs> but there was a race going on. And poor Tissa was outvoted. And now here we are back at Origin Island. And it is still quiet. And it is still waiting. This whole arc has basically been Tissa was right all along, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if you listen closely, every arc is Tissa was right all along. <laughs> Fair enough. Because I'm, I'm re-listening to Hunter Farm Girl Dragon Queen. And there's a lot of Tissa was right all along in that one, too. <laughs> Pollyanna's waiting for you on the beach. She gives kind of an indignant ruffle of her feathers at you. I'm coming, I'm coming. She looks over at Rada and Jem, and she looks at you. I wanted to help Ro. I'm sorry, Polly. She doesn't speak English. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I just thought I'd remind you of that fact. <laughs> Cobb just kind of looks at Polly and goes, you know as well as I do that she won't listen. Yeah. She does what she wants. Anyways. And Rada has already kind of started walking Jem toward the switchbacks. Sticking very close to Fulkwood and Daybreak. Cobb has made sure to bring extra medicine because he knows that Rada is going to try and like cold turkey this whole thing. <sighs> that is how they roll. That is exactly how they roll is the thing. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Cobb was right all along. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so I guess we sort of wind our way up the switchbacks. Yeah. We wind our way up the plateau at the center of the Origin Island. When you reach the top of the plateau, you see that it is blanketed in creepers that move along the ground and sprout little golden flowers, each with one pronounced circular petal. The Conqueror's Coin, a flower that is said to grow only here. It's beautiful. Huh. I guess they weren't only in... The, you said that they were all in the building. Hmm. Well, maybe we just got here at a weird time and this is where they normally bloom. Feels a little too easy, I guess. Well, maybe it's because we're not looking for them this time. No. Ain't that always the way? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Don't it always seem to go? If you look down from the plateau, you will see dense jungle far enough below you that it looks like models on play terrain. Dense and green and fluffy. From here, you can't hear the birds. You could barely hear them before. Origin Island has always been this way, at least as far as you know. Last time you were here, it was like this. And at the top of the plateau, in the middle of this carpet of golden flowers, there is a little flat-roofed shrine. 
not dissimilar from Escape Route of the South Wind. You may remember the similarity. You may not, and that's all right. But this is the grave of the conqueror. And behind the shrine, there is an enormous tree with broad, dark green waxy leaves and flowers like white stars. Well, I think we've come to the right place, but I guess now it's just whether or not it's still here. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. And Cobb is actually going to make his way over to the little shrine in the tree and just kind of check to see, like, is there a ton of dirt disturbed? No. This place is as peaceful and undisturbed as it was last time when you came tearing through it. Hmm. Looks like no one's been here in a long time. Well, other than us, yeah, probably. Yeah, we were here last year. But I wonder if Brit asks for other things in races ever. Hmm. Um, hmm. And Tissa looks at the other trio. How are you feeling? Fulquin has been completely quiet since landing on Origin Island. She very slowly and carefully eases herself off of Daybreak's back, stumbles a little as she hits the ground, and just starts walking toward the shrine. Rada dismounts heavily, clearly favoring one of their legs over the other, and grabs their bow from Jem's back. Daybreak kind of looks back at the party as if to say, oh. I guess we should head inside then? Well, assuming Fulquin's okay with that, this is her deal. I don't want to disturb her uh, get in the way. And if you all follow, Escape Route of the South Wind was in ruins, overgrown by jungle and colonized by a demon. Maybe colonized isn't the right word because the demon belonged there as much as anything else did. But... He certainly made it his own, after all. And this is whole. The roof is low, made of thick slabs of stone. There are carvings in the walls, same as there were in Escape Route of the South Wind, and they have been faded by time. The sun barely makes it in here. And the cold stone seems to cast a chilly shadow even in the rising heat of the tropical day. The altar is likewise undisturbed. No offerings have been left here, not in a very long time, but no demons have disturbed it either. And out the back of the shrine, there is a garden. And this is where you find Fulquin sitting, on her knees with her feet tucked beneath her, sitting at the base of a tree so many times larger than she is, just quietly listening with her eyes closed. I think that Tissa's instinct is to do basically the same. Hmm. I think I'll uh, roll sensitivity focus about it even. I would love it if you would do that. That looks like a success and an edge. Um, if you keep the edge success, I'm going to 
present you with information from multiple sources. <laughs> well, I've been kind of wondering, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah? Yeah, let's go with it. Okay. Certain entities have been loud and certain entities have been quiet. Yeah. The first thing that you feel is that sunlight presence. You remember it well. It was blinding when you first met Folkwin. Now you're a little more used to it, but it is brilliant nonetheless. And you look up at the tree, and it is a constellation. I'm not being ironic, and I'm not being poetic. It's literally a constellation. It's literally a constellation, yes. These are guiding stars, similar to the ones that are winking out of view on the horizon as the sun asserts its dominance. And another voice comes up, a familiar one, or at least I shouldn't say voice because you don't hear it. You never hear it. It just kind of thrusts concepts into your mind unbidden. Mm -hmm. And you know what is buried here. What is buried here is a weapon. Tissa does her normal fascinated looking at a thing thing and then stiffens slightly for a moment and like takes a second to sort of relax again. I think that she doesn't dare speak here. I think that this feels extremely sacred and like, I mean, she saw how Fulquin was uh, sitting there too, so. Actually, can I do a follow-up? Does Tissa recognize what the constellation is specifically. Uh, maybe not. That's just a one success on an understanding role. I think that you do. Okay. I think that you recognize a constellation. How can I? Let me think about what what I know about fantasy constellations and what I know about <laughs> real world constellations. Um. You recognize a constellation that is called different things in different places. It is associated in your home mm -hmm. with a story of a mermaid. It is associated in the Northeast Desert with a great sage. And it is associated on the veldt with a lion. And it is one of those ones that, at least in a milta, does not usually set. So it's a smarty cat. What? <laughs> what? Because it's a sage lion. Oh! oh. <laughs> Jeez, that one took me a minute. <laughs> that one took me a minute. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Just <laughs> Yeah. And... It never seems to set. It rotates in the sky, but at least in a milta, you can't find a place where it sets. So I suppose it's similar to our dipper. Thank you for all of the information, Kat. I think that like Tissa is still pretty internal though. Yeah. So I don't know if I can propel the scene forward from there. That's all right. Rada is pacing as best they can on an injured leg. They are looking out over the plateau. Usually. They are mostly looking out over the plateau. 
they are occasionally casting glances at the tree. Or at least that's what it looks like they are doing. Cobb just kind of looks at Rada and goes, you don't want to put that much weight and effort on that leg. And Rada just kind of fixes Cobb with one of those very characteristic, well, not that characteristic. You remember Rada's sarcastic expression. That's, that's Rada for you. But there's something different about this one. It's not like they're furious at you, but there is a fury in their expression nonetheless. Cobb just kind of sighs and his entire expression softens. Look, if you can't sit still here, I brought some extra pain meds. At least take some so that way you're not bothering yourself too. Fine. And the anti-inflammatory. Fine. And they kind of uncap their flask, accept the extra pain meds with a huff. Fulkwin opens her eyes briefly and smiles before returning to her quiet. Daybreak melts out of the form of a cloud elk into the shape of just a upsettingly large bird of paradise with golden feathers and impudently lands in the tree. <laughs> well, I'm going to have lunch. Tissa's eyes pop up and... <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll join you in a minute Fulquin says quietly and goes back to sitting with her eyes closed under the tree Daybreak flutters out of the tree to land on Cobb's shoulder again upsettingly huge bird <laughs> you're you're a lot heavier than you look ha. Cobb is also going to kind of I guess automatically like give Daybreak pieces of lunch like they're a parrot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Daybreak's all about this. All about being fed. Loves it. Having a great time with Cobb. <laughs> Friendship ended with Rada and Fulquin. <laughs> Cobb is now my best friend. <laughs> ah, Daybreak. <laughs> so what does lunch look like? Well, we actually weren't weren't out too like too long, so we probably have some pretty good rations. It's not going to be hardtack and like salted meat. Although there's probably some jerky, but I'm imagining like a a nicer bread, probably some fruit, um, probably a little bit of salted jerky. Maybe a fish someone caught yesterday while we were navigating the channel. Mm. Cobb's horrible pirate energy drink. Obviously, Cobb's horrible pirate energy drink. Is this a typical cozy sort of symphony's meal scene we're having? M maybe. <laughs> How's Penelope doing? Um, I think uh, Penelope's feeling very nervous. This place makes her nervous. Um, I'm actually going to roll a sensitivity humanity just in case there happens to be anybody... Like, is anybody nearby? I know this place is, like, really quiet, but she's, I don't know, she feels nervous. She's pacing by the doorway of the garden. She doesn't go in the garden um, where Tissa and Volquin are sitting. Um, she has a sense that it's, like, she doesn't want to disturb it. Um, but she's kind of keeping an eye out. One success, one edge for sensitivity humanity. 
you hear a sound coming from the plateau. A strange sound, like scraping footsteps. Oh. How far away is the plateau? If you were outside the shrine, within eyesight. Um, I think Penelope is going to go, like, take a look at it. Just peek outside the shrine and take a look. And when she peeks out, how far is Cobb from the shrine having lunch? Oh, Cobb is, like, sitting in the shadow of it. Okay. So I think when Penelope peeks her head out, she sees Cobb and just kind of, like, points towards the plateau and kind of is, like, makes a, do you hear that motion? Like a... Whatever you're miming, we can't see it. Oh, yeah. It makes, like, a cups her hand to her ear, almost like a, do you hear that motion? Like, makes eyes with Cobb and then... <laughs> Cobb kind of, like, chews a little slower and looks around and just kind of shakes his head. He's, he's got a big bird on the side of his head that it's hard to hear through. <laughs> well, you fed it. And now its mother won't take it back. Do I see anything, or...? You don't see anything. You can still hear it, though. Huh. It's coming from the side of the plateau, you think. Okay. I think Penelope kind of heads to Cobb and Daybreak. Um, I don't know. I'm. You don't hear that, hey? Hear what is... That. Is it like a animal? That, I, I don't know. It's like a... Yeah, Daybreak hops off of Cobb. Cobb gives Daybreak like the rest of whatever they were eating and, and kind of gets up and I guess goes over to listen for what Penelope is trying to point out. You can hear it now too. S- scraping. Rhythmic scraping. Well, that doesn't sound good. Cobb kind of like moves his coat aside to get his sword hilt at the ready. Penelope's kind of nervously fingering her bow. It's like, hmm. And Daybreak looks up from the food looks at the side of the cliff, and flies over to see what's going on. Disappears down the side of the cliff. Well, they can take care of themselves. Let's let's take a quick look around the area, Penelope. Give it the once over. Yeah, I think Penelope's going to hop onto Polly and take a swoop around to the other side where Daybreak is. You see Daybreak return very quickly. This time, Daybreak is not the upsettingly large perched on Cobb's shoulder bird, but upsettingly large like the maritime eagle, upsettingly large. And clutched in their talons, there is a creature. Oh. It has a humanoid shape, but it looks as if it is made from solid gold. It has enormous gauntlet-like hands with long, horrible claws on each finger. And it struggles in vain against the dragon's talons. Penelope's just standing there, like, mouth open in shock for a moment, like, oh, uh, whoa, what, am, what What? did I just see? What, what have you got there, Daybreak? Dunno, says the bird's beak. Don't tell Daybreak that's upsetting. You know how they are. <laughs> but they raise one of their talons and bring it down hard on this creature. Oh, uh, um, uh, wait, uh, uh, is the creature still moving or? Yes, it is still struggling, but not as much. Day- daybreak, maybe it's, um, before, maybe we should figure out who, who this is or. 
It's almost as shiny as you are. If a giant eagle could look offended. Tissa rolls one success on sensitivity spirits. I think one success is what I'm going to ask for kind of basic identifications. Mm -hmm. This is, based on your feel, demonic. Mm -hmm. It is not a noble demon. Mm -mm. Which means it is a lesser demon. Yeah, Cobb kind of hunkers down and looks at it and just says, Gold, is this the fellow that jumped you? Hardly, Daybreak says. I snatched it easy. No, the Emperor was bigger. Bigger, you say? Hmm, lovely. Well, Tissa has found her way sort of to the periphery of this circle and is keeping her distance still. She sort of bites her lip and probably has to do something. Probably. Does Penelope notice Tissa's come outside? I don't see why you wouldn't. I think Penelope kind of looks at Tissa and is like, um, do you recognize this feeling at all? I think that she has her spear low as though she's worried she might have to use it martially. And I think that the big guy's right. I think that this is one of his. Daybreak, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Can it talk? Some of them can. Some of them can. This one does not. Whether or not it can, it doesn't. How injured is the lesser daemon? There are great gouges torn in it by the eagle's talons. Hmm. Did you see any more out there? Mm. No. No, I just saw this one. Well, we have encountered lesser demons where there's only one of them at a time. But they're never far away. Perhaps this this lesser demon guards the shrine? No, they weren't here before. That's true. Yeah, I would think if it was a guard, it would have met us in the building. No, it's a scout. A scout or a grave robber? Or both? It's it's so hurt. Tissa slouches, like, makes a sort of, like... Yeah, I don't know if it really looks like a pained expression, but, like, slouches and backs off a little bit. And it's like, so what do we do with it? I think we let Daybreak do whatever they want with it. We can't rightly stop them anyways. And there is a feeling that rises in the air. A feeling like a tangled web of thorns. And out of the ground, shadowy vines reach up around this creature and suddenly grab it. And thorns burst out of these vines, piercing through the creature, and it convulses (gasps) and begins to dissolve into just a fine golden dust as the vines pull its shape into the earth. And you turn around to see that Rada has found you. Oh. Hello. Made the decision for us. They're here, huh? 
Well, one was. We don't know if any more are here. I don't know anything about this one, so maybe? We should definitely be on the lookout, if nothing else. Yeah. What are the spell pieces here? The spell pieces here are color, silence, sudden, resting, and tomb. I think Penelope is going to cast a spell called Encouraging Silence. Okay. That will help kind of make it a little bit harder for individuals trying to listen in on us or spy on us. Make it a little bit harder for them. Okay. Three, four scatter? Um, I'm only going to ask you for two for that. Oh, okay. I think Penelope takes the end of her bow and kind of walks around as much as she can the perimeter of the shrine and where we are and draws like a circle around. And as she does, the circle kind of has a very faint shimmer to it. And then like when she's done, kind of taps the bow onto the ground and goes, there. All right. Now we should be a little bit more safe. Thank you, Penelope. Rada turns around and limps back toward the tree to stand just behind Fulquin's shoulder with their bow at the ready. Tissa turns to daybreak while Penelope is working and Rada is moving. And what was it like last time? Mm. This is the first time in a while you've seen this, but daybreak returns to that mostly human shape that they took when you first made conversation with them. A long, lean, angular shape with broad, jagged teeth. It was... It was sudden. Mm. There were a lot of them. But he was the one who came at us. They were just there. Oh. And he's strong. Even in my normal shape, he... Got me good. Uh, We already did this once. I don't want to do this again. But I guess if we have to, although... Wait, did what? Uh, fought a noble demon. Yeah, we were... We kind of helped kill one, remember? When you were asking about the nuts, we were talking about... And that doesn't matter. Tissa kind of, like, clutches her head a little bit. We had a lot of backup. Yeah. Although, interesting, he likes an audience, I guess? Don't know. How decadent. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Emperor. Emperor. I hope that... I hope that she's getting guidance or something that maybe that they're talking. The... Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know much about it. She's tried to explain it to me, but it doesn't make sense. I think it makes sense to her. Tissa nods. That makes sense. Mm. Do you know that they're constellations? 
In the trees? What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, um... The mermaid, the one that had to leave her home and stayed with the people for a really long time before. Um... Huh. Tissa? Yeah? Do you think they point anywhere? Oh. We have a star chart and a... Well, we don't really, I guess, don't need a sextant, but... I don't know if we've got the star chart on us, but Tissa's gonna roll... Actually, no. How about... She's going to cast a small spell to remind herself. Please, I would love that. How about resting starlight? Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Yes, please. Tell me more about resting starlight. This is not normally one for drawing pictures. That's Penelope's thing. But we have a little sense of the magic flecks and little bits of sparkling starlight sand that pops up around Tissa's magic sometimes float past her eyes as she thinks about the constellations and the things that they say to her. And normally this constellation is good for finding other stars, I think. It's a place that you can look off and be like, oh, it's just a little bit off of the sage. So we see her eyes dart around, looking at all of these particles as she's sort of thinking back. You can scatter one or you can scatter three, and my answer is going to change depending on how much you scatter. Let's scatter three. You remember these stars suddenly in a rush, and it's almost as if you can see it, or maybe you can literally see it, at least in your mind's eye, as if it were yesterday. You were dragging yourself through the desert. You were dying, or maybe you only thought you were. You were just where the mountains meet the desert in the east. And you fell on your back and you looked up at the sky and this was the sky that you saw. And somehow you kept going further into the desert Although now that you think about it, there was something calling you into those mountains. But you weren't ready to turn back yet. On my pilgrimage. And when you come out of this spell, everything is silent for a moment. Until the silence of Origin Island is shattered by not a sound, but a feeling like a struck bell. And I believe that's going to take us to memory time. I like to suspell, like the idea of like, you can see things flashing, like reflections in, in, in her eyes. That was really cool. Very cinematic. I liked that a great deal. I like the big mysteries we got this time, although I guess this yeah. is meta-knowledge because Tissa has not told anybody what's there yet. 
but it is it is intriguing. Yay! I'm glad. Also, I liked feeding uh, Daybreak like <laughs> a parrot. That was so good. cute. <laughs> that was good. That was so cute. We have some good spell casting here. Um, before we leave, I want to circle back to the village maybe a little bit because, no, I think that Cobb was correct. I don't remember that either. Yeah, neither do I. Unless that's where... Was that where Clara found the really unique stones? No, because the stones were the shrine, right? Right. I mean, there was a village in my notes from two years ago. Okay. I just don't remember it. Maybe I didn't say anything about it. <laughs> that would be very me. That would be very me to have notes about an abandoned village and not say anything about it. Well, we were also not really taking time. We were trying to be as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't we also just come off of fighting some horrors? So, you know, maybe we got to the wrong side of the island and we're just moving fast. Yeah, gotta go fast. Gotta, gotta go, go fast. fast. <laughs> well, thank you all for playing with me, everybody. This has been wonderful. It was a pleasure. I always like joining my friends. Yeah, I like I like these cozy episodes. They're nice. I guess this is the cozy mystery episode. So, hey, something for me, something for Kirsten. Yeah, there's vaguely, <laughs> there is vaguely a sense of impending uh, danger, which I, I hope I was mm-hmm. able to drive through to you. Oh, certainly. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, good, good. I hope I was able to express the threats. Um, I mean, if we're talking an empire, there's never just one scout. Yeah. Listener. Listener. If you want to scout us out. Wow, that was a good one. <laughs> That was a good one. It, yes. If you want to scout us out, you can check us out on Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs. Or you can creep up to us on our website at peachgardengames.com where there's an email form you can fill out to, with a hideous scraping, be, make us aware of your presence. Lurk menacingly in the BK Roll Dice Discord. Yeah. Or make yourself known. We promise that we won't snatch you from the cliff and crush you under our talons. (laughs) You have our word. Until next time, listener. Bye. See you next week, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye Bye-bye. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Well, hello there, young adventurer. I've been waiting for you. We've met before, don't you remember? Ah, no worries. I'm quite forgetful myself. The other sparks are waiting for you. Leviath, Shuey, Theo, and Brandy. They've had such wonderful tales to tell. A truly marvelous story. I wonder which one of them will be the chosen one. Perhaps none of them will. Perhaps it will be you. The morning's coming soon. I have to leave now. Will I see you again? I sure hope so. Is a story really a story if there's no one to tell it to? Well, goodbye for now, adventurer. Chosen Ones is a visual novel-style D&D podcast on YouTube that releases every Thursday at 1pm CST. 
Find us on Twitter at ChosenOnesDND. Come adventure with us.